Father God, we thank you for this wonderful day that you have made. Lord, thank you for this Sabbath day where we can come before you and find our rest in you and be strengthened and encouraged through your word and through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would minister to us now by the power of your spirit, that you'd build us up in the faith, and Lord, that you would increasingly sanctify us according to Christ for your glory. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've got now to the sixth position of the Lord's Prayer, and we're on um, question and answer 106 from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the question is, what do we pray for in the sixth petition? And the answer is, in the sixth petition, which is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we pray that God would keep us from being tempted to sin or support and deliver us when we are tempted. So if you are familiar with your scriptures, what should strike you immediately is that there's some uh, difficulties here. And the nature of the difficulty is that, well, the petition seems to say that it is God who leads us into temptation. Hence, we must ask him not to lead us into temptation. But if we read a passage like James 1, 13, it says that God never tempts man. Okay, the other difficulty that we have, and if you've got your, if you're a Greek nerd, like Alex and Phil, and you've got your Greek New Testament in front of you, you'll see that in the Greek, it doesn't, it, it doesn't say deliver us from evil. It says deliver us, the Greek would, would better translate deliver us from the evil or, or the evil one. So what are we to do um, with all these things? Well, first of all, we need to understand that God is sovereign over all, he's even sovereign over Satan. Okay, it, it's Christianity does not believe that there are two equal and opposite forces in the universe or outside of the universe, God versus Satan. That's a, a dualism, which is, is unbiblical. We believe that God is sovereign. He's the creator and Satan is a part of his creation. Okay, God is infinite. Satan is finite, etc., etc., yeah, he's infinitely more powerful than, than Satan. But what we also need to understand is that nothing happens to us in this world except by the sovereign will of God. Yeah, Psalm 135 verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deeps. Ephesians 1 verse 11, he who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And the Westminster Confession of Faith expresses this biblical truth very well in chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, God ordains whatsoever comes to pass, yet is not the author of sin. So it's this truth of, of God's sovereignty that everything, every little detail that works out, that that happens in our life is ultimately ordained by God. Nothing's an accident. So the implica an implication of this 
is that well, whatever temptation comes across our path is also by the appointment of God. Okay, think of Job. Okay, in the opening chapters of Job, Job 1 to 2, Satan has to get permission from God in order to bring those trials upon Job. And Satan couldn't act without permission from the Lord. Think of something even more edgy. Okay, David and Bathsheba. It was no accident that David was on the roof at that precise moment that Bathsheba was taking a bath. The timing was ultimately ordained by the Lord. Now we hold this truth together with the other truth here is that it is clear that God is not the one who tempts us. Okay, he was not the one who lured David into sinning. Okay, that was him following the weakness of his own flesh and falling into temptation. But yet he did put David in the situation where Satan was, was able to tempt him. Now James 1.14 says, For every man is tempted, yet he is drawn away out of his own lust and enticed. So it's that last part that God never does. Okay, that's on us. That's our fault. That's our act of sin. So if this is the case then, why are we to pray lead us not into temptation? Well, firstly, we must not take a light view of temptation. We're not to be passive in temptation the midst of it think well ah if it's god's will for me to be tempted you know what what can i do i'm just gonna get (laughs) swept away in this so that we should not have the attitude nor praying and praying this prayer it should lead us not to trust in our own strength our own self-confidence thinking that we can um, overcome anything, that we immune to the power of the evil one, that we immune to the, 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 the power of our own fleshly desires even. And so that's why, exactly why we are constantly to pray to the Lord and ask, asking him to keep us from temptation. Because it's a reality. And it, it just gives us this realization that on our own, even in Christ, Even those of us who are regenerated and born again by the power of the Spirit, which if we in Christ, we certainly are. And the power of sin has been broken over our lives. Even in the light of that, we are still frail. We are still weak. And there's still indwelling sin in us. And there's something in us still that causes us, that makes us prone to, to wonder. And our opponent is still out there and he desires our downfall and destruction. So any questions so far? Mm. 
test that God will lead you into a situation where your temptation exists and testing? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I'm going to come um, back and, 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 and address that. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't say that um, the Holy mistaken, the Holy Spirit led Christ into the deserts. Yes. To be tempted. Yeah. 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 After his baptism, the Spirit led Christ out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. Yeah. But I mean, there are things we could do, like the hermits of old. You know, um, you could choose maybe to isolate yourself completely yeah. from the temptations of the world. Yeah. We are monasticism. Monastic life. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, you're sinful as you're there. Yeah, there's still <laughs> temptations, even in even in a a monastery in the desert. It's it's within us. That's the problem. That is the problem. Okay, shall we continue? So the other. Um, the other difficulty in, in this text is, well, is it the, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one? Well, honestly, there's very little difference. It doesn't really you know, make much of a difference. I mean, you can't have a, a kingdom without a king. Okay, There can't be evil if there's no Satan. So this means that the evil we pray to be delivered from, that ultimate... The origin of that evil is, is Satan anyway. So, it, yeah, it's really neither here nor there. But what we see here is that even within the absolute sovereignty of God, even the power of evil is exercised. Okay, he permits evil, but we must be absolutely clear, God is not the author of evil. He is good. And I know there's a lot of mystery to this. It's not something scripture, there's, it's, it's almost a tension within scripture. It doesn't seek to explain. It just presents these truths that God is sovereign. He allows evil, yet he is not the source of evil. And I mean, we see this clearly um, shown in a scripture like Acts 2.23. And this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So we see there the clear sovereignty of God, that the crucifixion, now bear in mind, the crucifixion of Christ was the greatest evil, wicked act, injustice that had ever been committed. And it says that that Jesus was delivered up to the cross according to God's definite plan, according to his foreknowledge he was predestined to go to the cross yet was god responsible for the heinous sin of crucifying jesus absolutely not who's responsible sinful men we are left with that <laughs> and um it's just a part of the mystery of of the sovereignty of god here but one Corinthians 10, 13 also says that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he, would also, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
Now, that should be of great comfort to us. God in his sovereignty, though he, he permits evil, he's still sovereign over the temptations that befall us. So they, they are never out of control. And because, precisely because he's sovereign, he, will, he promises us to, promises to give us a way of, of escape and to help us endure temptation as a trial that the Lord would in some way be glorified by it and would bring some kind of good out of it. And this comes to your question, Patrick, um, that indeed the, the Lord does bring trials into our lives. I know certain, you know, certain teaching, especially around this area, that is very kind of oversimplifies everything, that God, good, Satan, bad, only good things are from God, but every bad thing in our life is, is from Satan. Not so. Not so at all. The Lord, while he is good, he does permit trials in our lives. And the reason he permits them is that we may go closer to him, that we may find, uh, we may rely increasingly on his grace and trust in him and not be self-sufficient. That's the last thing God wants. He doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. Our culture teaches us that, you know, we must stand on our two, two feet and independence is a good thing. Individualism is a good thing. God wants us to rely increasingly on him and his, his grace. And so the, the temptations that are permitted in our lives are permitted in order to work good in us. And that's what we see precisely with the temptation of, of Christ in the wilderness. The Lord, the Spirit led him to the wilderness and those temptations were overcome by Christ. Okay, so while God bring, allows temptation into our life in order to work good, it will be Satan who uses those temptations to try and destroy us. Okay, and that's why 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Okay, so when temptations are brought before us as a part of growing up as a Christian is that we would put sin to death. And the Puritans call this the mortification of sin. There's a great book by John Owen. All the title is the mortification of sin. And it's all about this, that um, the, the opportunities that we, the, you know, that we have given to sin, we still get the opportunities every day. Temptation comes our way every day. We are to put to death those things. That's a part of our sanctification. It's a part of growing up as a Christian. And through that process of mortification of sin, it's where God, welcome. We're just in the middle of the discipleship class, but take a seat, please. Um, the Lord wants to grow us in our faith through these things. And just to end with, with another example of, of Jesus. Okay, Jesus in the um, Garden of Gethsemane, just before his, his crucifixion. Um, he's praying, he 
He's in agony. And remember, just some scenes before this, it was Peter who was very prideful and boasting. as ah, yeah, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll always be there for you. And then, you know, hours later in Jesus' greatest moment of need, um, him and the rest of the disciples are, are all sleeping. And so Jesus rebukes Peter and the other disciples and says, hang, guys, you can't even pray for one hour. And the Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So if there's, what that's telling us is what was Jesus praying at that time? He was praying that um, he might not be led into temptation. Like there's one man on earth, the God man, who you think would not need to pray to not be led into temptation. It's, it's Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless human being. But Jesus prayed that night that, if possible, that cup might pass from him. He wasn't full of self-confidence in his prayers, but he was praying full of anguish and tears. And when that cup did not pass from him, he persevered and he overcame the evil one. He didn't fail in the midst of trials. Why? Well, because he didn't fail in his praying. He was dependent on the Lord um, in this regard. And this is so often where, where we fail. Is that we, we, James 4, 2 says we do not have because we do not ask. So the point of this petition in the Lord's Prayer is that we would pray every day in desperate reliance on the Lord that he would keep us from temptation and evil. And you know what? The, the, there's good news here because half of this battle's already won. And that was won because Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins, paid our debts, rose again on the third day. In so doing, he crushed the evil one. He crushed the power of Satan. He's a, Satan is a vanquished enemy. Yes, he still prowls around, but he is wounded and he knows that one day um, his fate will be sealed. One day his head will be completely crushed when Christ returns, as Romans sixteen twenty says. So if we really desire to avoid temptation and evil, not just be swept up in whatever life throws with us, ask God. Ask God sincerely from God, acknowledging the reality of our weaknesses, and we're not trusting in ourselves, but in him who has already overcome the evil one. Any questions? Yes. So, clearly, we, we're taught in the prayer and from what Jesus said there to pray that we would not be led to temptation. But it's also God's will to, on, on occasion, to test and, and lead us into temptation. It's, yeah. it's, it's an interesting... Both of these things. Yeah, <laughs> right. Indeed. Mystery of the sovereignty of God. Any last question? Yeah, I think maybe also, um, like how do we recognize 
Like when temptation crosses over into sin. Yeah. Like what, is, what is the balance between those two? Good question. Like, uh, um, it can be a fine line. Okay. Um, thing is, we know Jesus was tempted, but Jesus remained sinless. So, temptation is, is, is the lure, the opportunity that presents us to sin. And we're even talking with, with our mind, okay? Because what did Jesus say, Matthew 5, even if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. Okay, so, this is where the process of mortification of sin is so important. We've got to catch ourselves even before even the act of sin, because sin starts, I think it's in Romans 5, it gives this, this progression of how sin develops. It germinates in the heart and the mind, and we entertain these, these thoughts. And then, if we don't catch them there, then it progresses into actively doing it or saying it. So yeah. James 1 says, oh, yes, that's Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is fully conceived, it, gives yeah. birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so it's just, it's, it's a reminder for us to catch things, nip things in the bud. Just because we're not actively doing them doesn't mean we're okay. If it's all in here, here, it, it's, uh, the problem is our hearts. <laughs> okay. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word that brings clarity into our hearts, that exposes um, the darkness that is still dwelling in us. And Lord, we ask that you would um, sanctify us Lord, that you would help us put to death sin in our lives, that we may glorify you and be faithful in obedience to you, Lord. Give us uh, hungry hearts now as we enter into the worship service and you draw us into your presence. Lord, give us eager hearts to receive your word. And we ask that you'd be glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.